At Push My Buttons Podcast, you can get all the gaming news, as well as information on latest releases and game reviews. You can also watch us play some of your favorite games, everything from Sonic the Hedgehog to God of War, on YouTube and Twitch. Follow us on all the social media and listen on all of your favorite apps. Just search for Push My Buttons Podcast. Think of the children! Kiss Your Trade franchise goodbye. Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Kiss Your Franchise Roar! Goodbye. Is, is that the sound of the red dragon or is that the tiger from the end? <laughs> it's another like never ending story. Uh, what's his name? Falcor. Uh, I'd have a dollar for that hide. Falcor. Uh, it sounded like Falcor. <laughs> Falcor the Luck Dragon. Yeah, oh, so uh, we're continuing our series on films about Hannibal Lecter. Uh, this week we are finally getting around to Red Dragon, the 2002 Brett Ratner directed film that was a remake of Manhunter, which we covered a few weeks ago. Uh, we have a, a somewhat smaller crew this week uh, giving excuses uh, to, to Brooke and Melissa who are out this evening but uh got me your host andy wilson and with us mark de leon how you doing Yay! bud doing all right i'm doing okay yeah the man uh, behind tower heist oh wait no sorry that's Brett. <laughs> wait no that's Brett ratner shut up don't compare him to Brett ratner that's mean oh my gosh uh, uh, Ratner eats shrimp with his fingers. Mark the, the, a way better tower heist, to be fair. <laughs> the the man who who loves Rush Hour too, JB Flinders. I do. Oh my I, god, you do. I, I, <laughs> my I, god. I mean, they're they're great popcorn movies. Don't they're watch not. Movies, but um, yeah. You and I once had a really good conversation that it's kind of it's kind of like the platonic ideal of a sequel where it like it. It just is like, oh yeah, remember that first movie? We're gonna explain it in two minutes, and then we're in it, and, and that's it. it. Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then it's like, okay, yeah, we're and and then you don't have. There's no setup, and it's all no. just, it's all just payoff. So, it was yeah. kind of like I felt like Bad Boys Two was like that too. It's like, oh, now we're somewhere else, but you you all remember what happened in the first movie, so let's not let's not <laughs> yeah, just roll with it. Yeah, no, yeah. right. <laughs> Neither one of these characters are super deep, so let's just uh, put them in silly situations. Right. All right. Uh, but I mean, this movie kind of. Um, okay. Before we start, can I just express something? I yeah. just read this in early 2021. Brett Ratner announced that he will direct a Millie Vanilli biopic. 
Oh my god. Not okay, okay, okay. Okay. We have to take two seconds. Cast cast Robin Fab real yes. quick. Who do we put oh in these god. roles? Okay. I want Daniel Kalu- I'm gonna say his name wrong. Kalua? Daniel Kaluuya. And Michael yeah. B. Jordan. Oh my gosh, that would be fantastic. Because <laughs> they're both yoked, they're both pretty, and they can both relative I mean, they can dance and sing like yeah right i mean yeah that would be that would be mine those are my Uh, what do you think i i think that's a good pair um way to i mean beyond their talents that's like that's like the sir lawrence olivier playing uh you know mike love of the beach boys or something i don't I mean, know you could, if 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 one of them's too expensive oh i'm totally spacing too expensive. <laughs> who uh who i mean because this could be like how much money can you really get for a milli vanilli right um remind me uh john boyega maybe Ooh, boyega and he's a dj too yeah. boyega's a dj he might like no. he might like that no mm. not too um I'm just trying to think if there's anybody else. Oh, that... and then, and then, and here's the twist. You know who else is a DJ? I can't remember the actor's name, but the guy who plays Hodor. Nainth? Nerth? What's his last yeah, name? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, he, can, he can be the white guy who was behind Millie Vanilli. Uh, so... <laughs> I'm in love, girl. He's just so in love, love girl. girl. <laughs> so we don't know what that guy looks like. I don't, mean, we do, but do. like, I mean, no one really knows. So you could make. I'm just, I'm just saying. I mean, how fun? First of all, how serious are you about a Milli Vanilli biopic? Because I really think they should give them their Grammy back. Because at, at this point, everyone's been lip syncing for the last eight years. Come on. Like, oh, that's true. I don't. I don't mind it. I mean, it's like everybody kind of knows and it's fine and i think there was something kind of magical and fun about millie vanilli and i remember millie vanilli at the time like the the guys on the morning zoo that i listened to every morning were like these guys are lip syncing they they are not the real singers we can tell and that was like their running joke and then they're like oh we finally found them out and i'm just like so this is like common knowledge right (laughs) so it's like it's not a scandal it's like you know it's like girl you know it's true it's like is that any different than uh the the swedish guys who wrote all of the songs for nsync and christina aguilera and britney spears no it's like i mean yeah it's their voices but like there's a difference between that and like John Lennon and Paul McCartney, you know. So did I, true did, I did I miss anybody who would be like? Did I miss any casting? Well, um, Andy hasn't said who he would cast. Uh, I'm Channing I'm really Tatum? down on Channing Tatum. <laughs> <laughs> That's just my first uh, guess for everything. <laughs> uh, yes, Channing Tatum for everything. He I'm really the, in love with the, John Boyega. Plays... John Boyega is a good yeah, that choice. Would be great. Channing Tatum plays Tom Cruise's uh, Tropic Thunder character for Millie Vanilli. <laughs> oh, that would actually be kind of perfect. Oh my gosh, he's like their manager or whatever. He's the mastermind would, behind it all. I would go with uh, playing Fab 
I would go with Lakeith Stanfield. Oh yeah. yeah. And playing Rob, I would go with Michael Ely. That's also oh. a really good choice. There are no wrong choices for this. There are no wrong choices. Michael Ely would be a great. I was. We were talking about this. Was it last week or two weeks ago? How great um, Almost Human was. Wasn't that the, the God damn movie? dude? I'm yeah. so pissed off at Fox because there was Almost such human, a yeah. goddamn great show, and oh, all we got oh, was good. one season on a major cliffhanger. Yeah, mm. eight and like eight episodes, right? Oh Wasn't my god, dude! Was it was show. such a damn good show. And he was he carried. Show. I mean, I like Carl Urban, but Carl Urban has one role. Yeah, um, and he plays it, it's Dread over and over again. Over right? and over. So, yeah. Well, and it was great really, because the show like worked for that. All he had yeah, to do did. was be grumpy, and then yep. you know, and then Ely got Ely to like the, the yeah. happy-go-lucky uh, robot person yeah. android. Yeah. Awesome. He, he luckily, I mean, he's he's in some great. I mean, the following, he was great in that. Um, did you guys see Secrets and Lies? I did mm-hmm. not. No, oh, that was on ABC. It was it was all right, um, but he was great in it. Um, so, but again, I'm I'm glad he he's still done a ton of other good TV. Um, so, yeah, he and he was in. He played. A, I love when you go to his Wikipedia page because it's like love interest of Mariah Carey, love interest of Beyonce, and then he's in the John Legend film, love interest of woman. <laughs> go watch the Tonight music video and see him as love interest of woman. Uh, well casted, but those are good choices too. I mean, I would I would pay money to see any of those Millie Vanilli biopics. My my good studio choice. note would be give this to anyone. But the frickin' rat. But I do rat. not want Brett Ratner no, making rat. this movie. Because I don't. Okay. Hot take. Okay. I don't hate Brett Ratner. I don't hate this movie. This is hands down, I think, Brett Ratner's best film. I agree. And. But I think he has a lot of garbage in there. And I think he got lucky with the movies that he did make that were successes. Uh, I do not think he is. uh, And this is the most important thing. I fundamentally think he is probably a bad person. Interesting. So um, there has been way, way, way too much me Too smoke around him. And uh, yeah. Okay. So, so my hot take is I think rush hour is his, second best film you're insane i think red dragon is his third best film you're i think insane. his best film is tower hercules. heist hercules? hercules with the rock oh my shut, god shut I, your I damn that face movie. that movie was so <laughs> shut fun. your face oh, it was great. i just joined late and that makes me want to hang up on both of you oh come on seriously. love hercules <laughs> Oh my God, Melissa! This makes me want to get out of this podcast right now. No, seriously, it was Scorpion King too. Oh my God, dude! I don't even know what's wrong. All right, fine. Is he high? That was a great hot take, though. Don't you think? Yeah, he's something. I don't know. We were just casting. Did you hear us cast the Millie Vanilli biopic, Melissa? Before you joined? No, I did not. I picked up where um. You were talking about somebody in the movie or the videos, like love oh, interest. Yeah. Michael Ely. 
So oh, okay. So Brett Ratner is supposedly directing a Millie Vanilli biopic, and I had um, Kalua and and either Michael B. Jordan or John Boyega, and um, Mark, remind me, you had Ely and Lee I had Michael Ely and Lakeith Stanfield. Hmm. I know, right? You would go to either of those. <laughs> <laughs> no, I would go to none of them because I don't give a shit about Millie Vanilli. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, blame that on the rain. Man. Girl, you know it's true. <laughs> <laughs> I do know that's true. Yes, you're right. <laughs> well, that's well. thank you for joining us. We, yeah. we I obviously... had to break up the sausage fest, y'all. I had to. No, <laughs> seriously. Uh, so thank you for being here because, uh, yes, that was. Uh, and you can tell that we don't want to talk about this movie because we spent <laughs> the first 10 minutes talking about Billy Vanilli. <laughs> so, um, well, I'm here for that if we don't talk too much about this because this movie, it's just Manhunter Redux. That's all this is. It's yeah, okay. So yeah. that's the real question. Is this a better movie than Manhunter, or yes. is Manhunter no. the better movie? I think this is the better movie. Melissa, why is Manhunter the better movie? Because for its time, it was actually very daring. Whereas this is just like a safe redux, like cash grab. You know what I mean? It feels very cynical to me. Like... They didn't even change anything up from the story, really. They didn't make it better. I, like, it, remakes are fine. Sometimes mm. they're really great. But you need to, like, correct the flaws of, of the first. And the only thing that's a, po a net positive on Red Dragon compared to Manhunter, in my mind, is that we don't have all the fucking colors informing us of what the emotion <laughs> is supposed to be. You know what I mean? Um, so... So, Melissa, tell me if you think – because I felt like Manhunter – you know how they make like a really good European film and then they bring it over to the U.S. Yeah. and mm -hmm. some big director turns it into an action film? I'm with I, – I mean I thought Manhunter, the casting was better and the acting was better. Mm -hmm. um, but it was easier to see Red Dragon, so I actually knew what was going on. So I don't know if that helps. <laughs> but yeah, I, I agree. I thought Manhunter was better acted. Mm -hmm. um, but harder to follow. I don't think it was. I think it's the opposite. I think Red Dragon has the better acting. Because you and, love Ed Norton so much. And, and I don't, <laughs> and we're going to get to that. But I think the biggest difference between the two movies is that the villain is more fulfilled in the Red Dragon than he was in Manhunter. And like, you get to see his penis. We do. We get to see so. Rafe Fiennes' dong and... Is that yeah, really uh, his, or was he wearing a prosthetic? I feel like they always wear prosthetics know. to make them look bigger, you know, for their ego probably, or something. It was probably Brett Ratner's. All I don't know is that I felt bad <laughs> about myself for a while. Probably was. So I imagine Brett Ratner has a micro penis. That's what I've always imagined <laughs> with him. I, I don't know why. Not that there's anything wrong with that. He, he skews me out so bad. It, you know, I, I think I've right. said this before that like there's certain. Well, I've said it about actors. I've never said it about directors, but there's certain actors that skeeve me out and I can't tell you why. It's just like this feeling I have. Brett Ratner is one of those people, not an actor, obviously. Thank God. You know, I mean, there's some directors like Taika Waititi who can do both, but I would not want to see Brett Ratner on my screen ever. Um, because he creeps me out. When I see interviews, I yep, turn, you know, 
click off that. You know, I, I don't want to see him. And this was before all the Me Too bullshit because he's been really mired in a lot of Me Too bullshit. For, I feel like it's been like an open secret, a lot of these directors, just how awful they are and how predatory they are. And he was one of the ones that were always whispers about long before Me Too was a thing. Um, right. But but just, just his general aura or something, I don't know. It just it gives me the willies. Well, it, Megan Fox outed him years ago like years but ago. nobody listened to her right, right. at the time no, they did because uh, she also brought up the fact that uh who else is she out she outed two directors was it michael bay oh i wouldn't it? doubt that yeah she outed she outed uh brett ratner for sure and i don't remember the name of the other director so it, it was a big thing like yeah people were talking about it for the longest time well ratner had the problem because there were like seven women who came out right yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was, yeah. it was. And yet he's still working. So cancel culture, right? Exactly. I, that's why I've said cancel culture does not really exist unless, you know, you're going to jail or something. You know what I'm saying? Like, like for like Harvey Weinstein. Okay. He got canceled. But like, unless it's something criminal that they actually get indicted for, then there's no such thing as cancel culture. Not for the rich anyway, because look, they're all working still. Johnny Depp has a thing or two to say about that. John, but Johnny Depp, it's not just the Amber Hunt stuff. There's been whispers about him being a dick for a long time, like ego and out of touch. And, you know, I think he does some of this to himself, honestly. It's not just her. I, I think there's a lot of blame to go around for both. They're both gross people in my mind from what no, I see. They are. They are. But it's it's not the it's not the ego that, that is getting him kicked out of franchises. It's the accusation. Yeah, I think it's probably a little bit of both. And and be clear that it's the accusation. But that's a special case. I I, I, that's a very different case. I I think in most cases, I mean, like Joss Whedon just got. I mean, yeah, he dropped out after the first season, but he had that show on HBO that got renewed for season two, so he's still getting paid because he created it, even though he's not running it anymore. So the problem I have with that is that there's actually a season two now. Because season one was so stupid. Well, but but what I'm saying is that he got supposedly canceled, like, what, three, four years ago? And look, he got an HBO show. Even if he's not on it anymore, they still hired him to do it. You know what I'm saying? Look yeah. at uh, Dave Chappelle. They haven't taken his Netflix special down. They're not going to. Oh, so you missed the whole conversation about that. Oh, y'all yeah. already talked about that? Well, no, not on the podcast. Not on the podcast yeah. before, Andy but yeah. That was before. our green room talk. Yeah, uh, we're, waiting, we're waiting till Andy watches it. Uh, I haven't seen it. I don't need more transphobia bullshit. To I don't need to watch it. Um, but, you know, it. it I'm, what I'm saying is that for the rich and famous, you rarely get canceled. Not really. You might have to go away for a little while, but you get to come back and make millions more dollars. And that's what, I, you know, Brett Ratner... I mean, Millie Vanilli, really? Making a Millie Vanilli? Yeah, that's why yeah. that's my studio note. Like, I uh, like, yeah, I'd love to see Lakeith Stanfield and John Boyega in this movie. I would like to see someone other than Brett Ratner do this movie. Like, anyone. Almost literally. What, what kills me is that these Michael people Mann. are millionaires, right? <laughs> these people are millionaires and could retire today and, and never work again and be fine. But their egos don't allow them to. They have to keep working, even though they don't really need to. And, well, and, and especially I don't understand Ratner. that. Ratner is like, like anything with Rat Pack Dune on it, 
that is him. Anytime you see a movie with Rat Pack Dune, he is getting uh, a couple pennies on your dollar every time you're watching a Rat Pack Dune movie because he's the rat in the Rat Pack. So, um, it, it like he Very literally, <laughs> yeah, he doesn't have to work ever, and yet he still is because uh, it's all about him. It's all about his ego. So, yeah. yeah, agree with you and agree, Melissa, with with your take on why Manhunter is the superior movie. Although, Mark, I can I can agree with you uh, to a certain extent on on a few of the things. The only other thing that I will say about this movie is I think this movie has the superior supporting cast only yeah. in specifically in um Mary Louise Parker and oh, my actually, big crush. Yeah. and that they gave her something to do as Will's wife and uh um Philip Seymour Hoffman as Freddie Lowndes. Oh, I have been so in love with Mary Louise Parker for decades now. Like oh my god. But she's really here and uh, uh Philip Seymour Hoffman as Freddie Lowndes was a stroke of genius. I think I, I like the dialogue more with William Peterson and that Freddie Lowndes, but um, I don't know. Philip Seymour Hoffman was having a, a hell of a time in this movie. He was. So I, I okay. forgot he was in this movie because I've only seen this movie once before I rewatched it to do the podcast. And I, it, I mean, it was years and years ago, like when it first came out and I just forgot. And it, it kind of shocked me a little because, you know, I, like mostly when celebs are, I'm like oh how sad but there's a few here and there that really like hit you you know what I mean even yeah. though you never met them uh, just because you admire their work or something and and I admired the shit out of his work so that that it just kind of hit me like oh you know because I totally forgot he was in this yeah. um, so that's a plus <laughs> for this movie for sure I still think Manhunter is better I, I think it's one of the better movies out of all the series honestly so yeah. So, Andy, you brought up uh, the dialogue between William Peterson and um, Freddie Freddie Lowndes. You know, you you really like that uh, in Manhunter, but I'm the other way around because so in Manhunter you you get uh, Will's anger, right? Mm -hmm. he, he's got this anger, like he's got this rage, and it doesn't really for me it doesn't really connect with what's going on. The one thing I like about Edward Norton in this movie is the fear he has with uh, when he's talking to Hannibal Lecter based on their last confrontation that he barely escaped. He just barely escaped. And you, you can taste that fear. And he did so well in the opening, what, 20, 20 30 minutes of the movie. And then he just gives a vanilla performance after that, which really bothered the hell out of me. But in those 20, 30 minutes, like you, you sense Will's fear over this man that almost took his life. He was, he, he barely escaped him, but now he needs him to catch the tooth fairy. And it's so beautifully set, at least in those 20, 30 minutes. I think that makes this film superior to Manhunter. I had such a hard time with him mailing in the last hour and a half, though. Yeah, I, and I agree with you on that. That was so hard for me because I'm, yeah. I'm like, this guy was in primal fear. What happened? It's an American <laughs> History X. Yeah, 
He's those yeah, are his he's... two best films. I feel yeah, and yeah. but um, I that when an actor is obviously phoning it in, it really takes me out of the movie, and and maybe that's a central problem or the central problem for me with with Red Dragon is that. You, you, it's hard to evaluate because you miss so much being drawn out of the movie by the bad acting. Do you understand? Like, like it just, especially when you know this guy, he's like, I think he's an Academy Award nominee, right? Like he's, yeah. he's, he's a really good actor and I don't know what happened here. And, and that's disappointing. But when it takes you out of the movie like that, it's hard to enjoy the movie or think that it's good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I, I mean, I have a take on Ed Norton that he, I mean, he's a, he's a really good actor, but when, <laughs> yeah, I mean, All right. All right. Fight Club, Rounders, I mean, I, I, there are a lot of good movies that he is in and I, my take on him is that he's one of those guys that thinks he should be the director. And Agreed. you pair him with David Fincher or someone else that he really respects and who he like is simpatico with, and he will give a good performance. If not, he will just show up and do a paycheck performance. And um, That's a good take. Well, and yeah. where where were we at in the? Because we were talking about this off screen, right, Andy? The Italian job thing. Yeah, this is mail in, right? Is this in the same time frame? Is this the same year? It's either it might be the year before the Italian job. Let me let me look real quick because this was two thousand two, and I thought Italian job was two thousand three. Can't believe you know who in here old. If we only had a real Italian on this podcast who could tell us, <laughs> when, hey, when, hey, when was my job? So, <laughs> so here's here's his like uh, top hits. They took Prim- my money. Primal Fear '96. Everyone <laughs> says I love you '96. The People versus Larry Flint '96. He was great in that. American History X '98. Fight Club '99. The Score '2001. Okay, that one I do like. Frida, films. 2002. I hated uh, him in that. I, I couldn't watch that. Yeah, I 20, hated him in that. Yeah. 25th Hour, 2002. That wasn't bad. Uh, then, let me see. After that, um, he doesn't really have much that's like, here, where where is, I'm sorry. Then it's I lost Moonrise the. Moonrise Kingdom. <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom, Grand Budapest Hotel, Birdman. Oh, I forgot dogs. he was in Grand Budapest Hotel. Yes, he, was yeah. good then he took like yeah. artsy side character roles for a while. Yeah, but then, but then he'll also do the Incredible Hulk, and I hated him as Banner. That was that was the same problem. Is he and uh, Leterrier really did not get along with one another, and he very much felt like he should be in charge of that movie. What was the movie where he played the bad guy and you never saw him until the last 12 seconds and it was in space or something? Um, I don't. Hang on, let me find it. What is this? I think you're thinking about Event Horizon. That wasn't him. No, I wish it was. <laughs> I wish he was in that. That's one of my favorite movies. Yeah, I love that movie. Um, 
But hey, he's going to be potentially in Alita. Knives Out too. One of my favorite movies of 2019, Alita Battle Angel. He was oh, the that's right. That. He's in the very end of that, isn't I he? I really enjoyed that film. It was, that was very. It, I think it was underrated. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. I have not seen that. It was. It was. Good. <gasps> it was I mean, pretty good. Chris Christoph Waltz. You, you have it. not seen a San Antonio Nader's movie? No. I haven't I seen know. a lot of his movies. And it's got Sorry. Jai it's got Jai Courtney. I mean, oh, yeah, that yeah, must yes, be it, why. Yes, it does. <laughs> yes, it does. See, that's how much how hard Marco goes for San Antonio if he still saw it with Jai I Courtney. Still saw it even, even though it had yeah. Jai Courtney. Oh, and Andy, you skipped my favorite Ed Norton two thousand two movie. Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie. Yeah, I forgot. I, yeah, I was looking at I was looking at his Rotten Tomatoes list. Okay, so the other Robin Williams in there. Oh, Rounders, Rounders in '98, which is one of my favorites. Yep. Keeping the Faith, which uh, I, I actually like I it. Really it was good. Movie. It was cute. Yeah, I like it. Yeah, and then Red Dragons 2002. Italian Job is 2003. And that's when he gave up. And that, yeah, yeah, I think, and then he's got, it, right? Yeah, he's in a uncredited part in After the Sunset. Yep. He's in Kingdom of Heaven, Down in the Valley, Down in the Valley, uh, The Illusionist, Illusionist which was painted. terribly underrated. I like that one a lot. Yeah, that I, agree, was I agree with you. No, I, I agree better, with you. Better than the Prestige. I would say <gasps> oh, whoa, whoa, whoa! Back the it. fuck up. I liked it way better than the Prestige. Whoa, yeah. whoa. Yep. You're off the podcast with that yeah, kind of talk. Yeah, How dare you? You, you can we take have, your no, Aussie. We can't have you back. Away, you guys. But, but but the Prestige had David Bowie in it. And anyway, but yes, yeah, David Bowie. Around this time is about when Ed Norton started giving up and picking up paychecks for movies, and I think this is the first film film where he really really does that. Um, and I. But he starts off so well, Andy. Yeah, and about the twenty-fifth minute into the movie, he's like, "Okay, <laughs> it's not worth it, me you arguing know, with this guy anymore." I I might have a little insight into that actually that I just found because when y'all were talking about his ego and everything, and you mentioned Frida, I know he did like extensive rewrites on that mm -hmm. and didn't get credit by the writer's guild and there was like a lot of fallout from that and it, it might have even been why he and Salma Hayek broke up I don't know but he I, I remember there was an interview while they were still together that I read and so this has been like 20 years ago and the way he said about how he like tried to encourage her to do better or whatever sounded like a red flag to me and so I was trying to find that but I know I read it probably in like a actual newspaper or magazine and i can't seem to find it online so while y'all were arguing you know swing <laughs> your dicks over there about his movies i was trying to find it and i did it but i found something else here um that's a little intriguing so it says here during the filming of uh red dragon norton showed up on set to film his scenes as FBI profiler Will Graham, he was apparently a little bit overprepared because in his hands were brand new and totally unsolicited script pages that Norton had taken it upon himself to uh. write. He also demanded the director Brett Ratner shoot them. Neither Ratner nor the film's producers took kindly to Norton's spontaneous and unwarranted script doctoring to a screenplay by Academy Award winner Ted Talley, and much professional arguing ensued. You can't blame Ratner or Red Dragon's producers, though. Movie scenes have to be carefully planned out, budgeted, and storyboarded yeah. 
before filming. Not to mention how actors need to learn their lines and explore their characters beforehand, as well as the basic chain of command that makes a movie set run smoothly. Norton disrespected all of that so you can see why everyone else was angry with him. Yeah. Okay, that um, makes everything so much more clear. Fallout from that is like, you know, that was right before he started phoning it in, maybe. You know, yeah. I, I, speculation, of course, but that would make sense. That makes sense. It tracks. It tracks. Yeah, totally. And she did, she did say she wanted someone with more balls than her when she broke up with Ed Norton. <laughs> wow. That she is looking for a man. There's a, with more there's a lot of shit about him on this in this article. Oh, Paramount bet. had to force him to do the Italian job. Yeah. The battle yeah, over just... the final cut of American history X. Like just a yeah. lot of stuff. Um Yeah, that was his last contracted movie was Italian job and he didn't want to do it. He wanted to do something else, but he was stuck in his contract, I think. Oh poor guy getting paid millions of dollars to do, so to do a movie. And somehow that's still a tremendous movie, even with him being such a tool. I guess it actually made his character better, right? Yeah, he was actually really hated him. You're like, this guy doesn't even want to be here. He's so bored with this money. It's like, he doesn't deserve it. Give it to, you know, give it to Seth Green. So, you know. Or the Napster, as we call him. Right. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, so... Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, Ed Norton, difficult to work with, um, stopped caring about this movie. I just, I don't know. Uh, and and I, having now watched most of the Hannibal TV show and stopping right before the, the, um, the Red Dragon stuff in season three, it's just such a different take on um, the relationship between these two, between uh, all of these different movies. And um, I think this is the one that is the the like least well-realized. I feel like uh, William Peterson and, uh, and, and Brian Cox are kind of on the same level. They're both, you know, they're both guys working with someone they don't really want to work with and that they have some level of antipathy towards, but fate is forcing them together. Um, in order to make the the Norton um, Hannibal Lecter stuff work, like, we have to have already bought into Hannibal Lecter as this supervillain other than you know oh there was one time he found out he was a cannibal and then he tried to stab him um i i feel like this movie doesn't work without silence of the lambs or any of the other hannibal lecter mythology built on top of it that's true yeah i i completely agree with that which is why it makes sense that they made this movie after that right so um, I don't know what, but what else is there that either works or doesn't work for people in so, this movie? Opposite to Edward Norton, uh, Ray Fiennes comes in and he goes whole hog into the Tooth Fairy. He's pretty great. He is <laughs> really fucking is. fantastic. Like his character is fucking scary, just scary. And his interactions with Emily Watson, who to me played the better role. 
uh, as compared to uh, what's her name, Joan uh, Joan Allen. Yeah, I mean that their their back and forth is just there's a lot more nuance between those two characters than what we saw in Manhunter. I really enjoyed that. So Ray Fiennes really makes this movie in spite of Edward Norton's vanilla perform <laughs> performance. Yeah, he is the superior tooth fairy. That is, there's no doubt there. Because the, the one in Manhunter was, I don't know, he, he just, he, he gave me the willy somehow. He was creepy, but not in a, like, the way you would want in a movie like that. Not in like an intense way, but more like just some neighborhood weirdo way or something. I don't know how else to describe yeah. it, you know? Like a peeping Tom. Well, because he was a peeping Tom. Well, yeah, 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 pretty much, yeah. So and that's the that's the scary thing about Francis Dollarhide is you think about like, oh, my gosh, you know, when I'm sending off my videos to be digitized or whatever, uh, or my photos to be to be developed. And what if some serial killer were looking at those and planning to murder me based on them? Like, it's that fear of that breaking of of intimacy that you know is is really kind of what makes him scary to begin with and um and you see him wrestling with this he feels this demon that's coming out of him or that he is becoming right. um i you know jb said in manhunter he just like didn't care about francis dollarhide we're given a lot to care about yeah. him in in uh -huh. this movie yeah, and to be scared of him. Yeah, much more. Yeah, very true. And it, that's all due to uh, based on the performance, the strength of, of the performance of uh, Ray Fiennes. I agree. I think it helps that they also introduced him earlier and gave him some things to do earlier in the film, mm -hmm. uh, and so we got to see him, you know, doing creepy things, being obsessed with William Blake and uh, um, some of the, I don't know. I don't know how I feel about all the backstory with his mother or his grandmother. I kind of go back and forth. I'm like, it's like, maybe it's a little bit too much. It's like, we're supposed to feel bad for him. Or is it like, oh, okay, I guess we need to explain him away. So, so here's why I think these two movies are different and probably why each of us like them for different reasons to me manhunter is about will's fight with himself agreed oh uh, yeah and definitely. red dragon is about dollar hides progression and will stopping him and i think mark to your point it's because ed norton gives up a quarter of the way into the film right. and they have to do something else which luckily ralph finds and hannibal lecter right are there to pick up the slack so i think and, and that's part of the reason, and Melissa, I'll be interested to see what you think. I think that's why I, I still liked Red Dragon a lot, but I liked it less because it tracked differently to me. Like Manhunter tracks about, is Will going to lose his mind or how crazy is he to catch an equally crazy person, right? And we don't spend as much time on the crazy person themselves, right? We spend it on the mental tracking of this character. Whereas I think Red Dragon written more for a traditional audience lays it all out for you right which again yeah. isn't a bad thing it allows you to really get into character depth maybe more so than manhunter who who doesn't really expound on any character other than dennis verena's crotch gun 
right? So, <laughs> but I think that's where I saw the difference is, and that's why I, I say Red Dragon feels more like a quote unquote American film and Manhunter feels more like a European film because Manhunter doesn't do anything, right? It's a character study. It's very right. internal and right and, and exposition based. Whereas Red Dragon, lots of stuff happens, right? There's action and and movement and colors and schemes and all these things. So I think that's the main difference. And again, to to all of your points, they're very different movies with the same script. And that's because each director tracks them differently. And that's not a bad thing. And in fact, it's fun to have both of them because you can kind of see different viewpoints of the same text, right? Um, but that's where I saw the difference. And I think that's, again, Mark, to your point, that's the only reason I like Manhunter a little more is because I love the inner turmoil that William Peterson has that Ed Norton didn't. But at the same time, I love Ralph Fiennes way more in Red Dragon. Yeah, way more. is so scary. And, you know, right. and I, I agree with your, what you were saying. And we can expand that to say that Manhunter is more about the triumph of humanity, the good of humanity. And Red Dragon is more about the triumph of villainy uh, because we focus so much on the Tooth Fairy and his ascension and on Dr. Lecter. Uh, mm -hmm. we're, we're focusing more on the the darkness of humanity, whereas Manhunter was the opposite of, of that. Yeah, and even the color schemes, right? I mean, the color schemes were set up that way. Yeah. Where you had light and dark, whereas this is much more... Uh, straightforward nuts no, it's, it's interesting how you could have a very such similar movie but two completely different progressions and outcomes right right, right. Yeah. yeah well and and to the point about lector being such a a formative point in this movie he he anthony hopkins is in this movie it feels like far more than then Cox was in Manhunter, and then he was in Silence of the Lambs. Yeah, like they wrote a bunch of extra script exposition for him to be in there because they're like, "Well, everybody wants to see Hannibal the Cannibal behind bars, and so let let's give the people what they want." And um, I don't know. I it, it's like I don't need to see Hannibal Lecter's exercise pit, you know. I don't need to see him snuggle. I don't want to see any of it. I don't want to see any of his bits. Be real honest. I don't need to see him snarl at Ed Norton to like know that he's angry at him. Um, you know, I I don't know. I just I do think we need that though, because uh, there is resentment uh, towards uh, Will in this, and it's it's such a different take between uh, the lecturing and Will relationship in the Hannibal series. Where that yeah, is, there, there is like a true, just, those guys want to fuck, right? Yeah, those guys want to get down and fuck. There, there's an there's a sexual attraction. There, there's attachment in the show. Here is Doctor Lecter pissed off that this little pissant is the one that caught him. Yeah, and then he, if he had been one inch closer, he would have fucking killed this little pissant. But now he's got to fucking suffer him while he's in jail. I like that dynamic. I really do. Not that I don't like the Hannibal show dynamic because I, I love that. But in this movie, it works. And like I said, the initial fear 
that Will has in the beginning of this movie when he has to confront Hannibal Lecter again was fucking palpable. It was gorgeous. And then it just fucking dies off because Edward Norton is being Edward Norton. But had he maintained that throughout the entire movie, it probably would have changed the dynamic a bit. Um, and we wouldn't have had to focus so much on, on Dollar Hyde. But, I mean, things worked out the way they did. And I still think this this is a superior movie when compared to Manhunter. If only because Harvey Cartel does not use a crotch gun. <laughs> God. Oh, and he's, I don't know. I thought he was Ray out of place, too. I thought that was another weird guy. Really? Yeah, I just couldn't. I don't know. Maybe it's because I saw the piano and saw his junk, too. I don't know. <laughs> it always comes back to the dicks for y'all. Seriously. <laughs> <laughs> <The> hell. <laughs> Not always. You know, just something. We don't like seeing other dicks other than our own. <laughs> okay. What? I have no problem with on-screen peen. I think we should have, just I think we should have more peen on screen and normalize it. I, I, like, I think we should do that absolutely, Andy, because I'm sick of women being the only ones being forced to do full frontal. Yeah, okay, we, would have, sure. like, we should have a rainbow of dicks in every movie. Like, I don't exactly. give a shit. Exactly. Like, like, with Game of Thrones, it pissed me off because a lot of full nudity for women. Yeah. And then with the men, like, the like one of the first times they did it, he had, like, a blister on there. It was so gross. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, what the hell? Really? Uh. This is this is not equality when you got you got some kind of sore on there, you know? Like, <laughs> the fuck? All the women of America were like, really? Gonorrhea dick is what we're getting? Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you show us Jamie Lannister's peen or GTFO. So, yeah. anyway. <laughs> Anyway, uh, but uh, Melissa, I don't know how how does Hannibal Lecter work for you in this film uh, versus Manhunter Hopkins versus Cox? Are you, you what know, do you think I, works? I've what already, do you think doesn't? I, I've already gone on record as saying I think that that uh, he is hammy as fuck as Hannibal Lecter, um, yeah. and I I still don't understand why people love him. In fact. Um, I told y'all about Saturday Night Live last night. Uh, Rami Malek was was hosting, and he said in his monologue how he always uh, kind of had an affection for the villains. That's why he played the Bond villain. And he was like, you know, um, like he was saying, Dracula's just thirsty. Jaws was just hungry. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, um, and he said Hannibal Lecter, this woman just keeps coming in and bothering him and asking questions. Leave him alone, Clary. You know what I mean? He was like yeah. uh, sympathizing with him. And I was like, no, man, this guy deserves to be just like just bothered all the time. You know what I mean? Um, and and because I, I it, this is might be even hammier than before. And it, that's that's really hard to do because he was so hammy and um the Julianne Moore one with Hannibal. Yeah, and Hannibal, oh, yeah. Yeah, he, and, and, <sighs> ugh, and, and, and the scenes with him and Norton, Norton mailing it in, him being hammy, you can't make up for Norton not, you know, it almost felt like he was making uh, overacting to make up for Norton's lack of it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like right. they were trying to balance some kind of scale and it, it doesn't work that way. Um, it, it, yeah, it, I, I whatever I mean he, he was okay in Science of the Lambs he was hammy but not as much it was more restrained but I, I think he just stopped giving a fuck <laughs> but you know after that and uh you know he won his Oscar he didn't got nothing to prove with this character anymore so he's just going for it and um that's another thing that takes you out of the movie you know um there's a lot of things 
that that are good about this movie though and it had potential and i was thinking um uh while i was listening to you guys talk about peens again um i was i was thinking okay part of my problem with this movie is that it felt cynical it felt like they it they're telling the same story and they're not adding a whole lot to it so i started wondering what if this movie came out first and then manhunter came out later would i feel the same way because uh, uh, like probably 30 percent of the problem i have with this movie is that it just felt like a cynical cash grab there was no reason to retell that story um so what do y'all think like would your feelings be different about this because my feelings i think would be quite different if I'd seen this one first, and then Manhunter might feel like the cynical cash grab. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. I, I agree with that. Uh, if only because Anthony Hopkins is already established as the Hannibal Lecter. So if you bring in somebody else, it, he's that person's always going to be compared to Anthony Hopkins. And ah, that, yeah. that, that person's going to fail in comparison. Although, I do think Brian Cox... If they had really unleashed him and given him more material, yeah, would have proven to be the superior Hannibal Lecter. And yeah, Andy, Andy back me up on this because you're watching Succession. He is one cruel motherfucker. He oh, can pull, God. He can pull that off, man. And he would be such a fucking great Hannibal Lecter. But he didn't get that much meat in nah. Manhunter, which is one of the problems I had. Because if if they would have given him more that movie might have in you know in comparison been the better movie but they didn't so we have what we have so it, to your point melissa if this movie would have come first and then we would have had manhunter as it was directed i i probably would not have liked manhunter at all mm. yeah yeah I, I think you're i think you're right melissa but you know to go back to also to what what you said uh at the beginning it's so hard to uncontextualize Manhunter because it it became like the formula for what police procedurals were to become for the next like 15 years. And it was like a template for it. And so if I'd seen Manhunter in 2004 and it was a contemporary movie, I'd be like, what the fuck is Michael Mann doing here? It's like, this is just the same thing as I could watch on criminal minds or CSI or whatever. There's nothing new here. What? I don't, I don't get this. Right. Um, but if this film had come out in like 1984 or something, um, yeah, I think, I think you're right. It would feel like cash grabby. It would feel weird. Um, but fundamentally, I think that the the difference here is Peterson and Cox are on roughly equal levels in terms of the effort they're giving and how they sort of view each other. And Norton and Hopkins are in two totally different universes from one another. Yeah. Um, in terms of in terms of their effort, in terms of how much they're really bought into this, and and I think that's the fundamental flaw at the heart of Red Dragon is that without that key relationship, it just it doesn't it doesn't quite work. Even though the rest of the film is really serviceable, 
and especially as you go down the the supporting cast. I mean, William Peterson is. I mean, there's one performance I always compare giving your all to, and that's Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now, right? Where mm-hmm. he legitimately oh, yeah. had a nervous yeah. breakdown playing the role, right? <laughs> like actually punching a mirror and having to get hauled off to the hospital, having a heart attack in the middle of the film, right? William Peterson is really trying to pull a Martin Sheen in his role. I think like, he is, yeah. He yeah. is really trying to like actually wear himself down and and i think first of all i think to your your initial point i think michael mann in in 2002 would be very different than michael mann you know 1980s and red dragon probably ends up like heat right where they're staring at each other in a in a cafe with you know lector oh god damn that would be brilliant i I think the style would have been different but, but i really think the differentiator between these two films is William Peterson is the only one giving 150%. I mean, Ralph finds to an extent, right, Mark? But not as yeah. much screen time. But William Peterson spends 90% of Manhunter like, I could legitimately lose my mind at any second. And I think that's that's the biggest differentiation between these movies. Um, is I really kept waiting for him to punch a mirror. <laughs> I'm worried about him. But... But again, yeah, you're totally right, Andy. It's a very serviceable movie. Ralph Fiennes really makes this awesome. Um, so it's it, it, both movies are really entertaining. And it would be funny to switch them to see what Brett Ratner would have done in 1988 or whatever um, versus what Michael Mann would do in 2002. Yeah. Hey, Brett Ratner directing Manhunter would have had a young Jackie Chan. <laughs> what is Chris Tucker doing here? This is oh my God. I hate those movies. I can't stand the JV. All right. I, I just really hate Rush Hour movies. Oh I God. really hope the Millie Vanilli biopic is Jackie Chan. and Chris <laughs> Okay. Any, anything else Red Dragon that we have to talk about or do we want to I want to listen. I want to ask, what's your take? Do you think Joan Allen would have uh, had, you know, given more material in 2002? Um, would would the the female leads have been as, uh, like I thought they both did incredible jobs, but I think mm-hmm. the source material was different in the second one, right? Emily Watson was fantastic. Yeah, though. but I, I think Emily Joan Allen Watson was great. But Joan Allen, if she had, if she played opposite Ray Fiennes would have killed it fair point fair point yeah that's what i wondered yeah yeah she she had a terrible scene partner you know yep 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 which was probably more realistic to be to be fair (laughs) (laughs) i mean here stand next to the serial killer but pretend you can't see him right like i don't know had to pretend to listen to inagata devita so that that is a plus in red dragon's favor there's no 10 minute version of that (laughs) that is true the shooting scenes are a lot better in red dragon there's no weird yeah you know what the funny thing is uh as much as i love uh rough fines as dollar hide when you get to hannibal the show uh and what's his name richard armitage that plays him like holy, <gasps> holy shit! Richard like, Armitage plays. Yes. yes. Oh my yes. god, he's so good. Yeah. So like for for me, 
Ralph Fiennes was Francis Dollarhide. Like, you can't beat him. He's the fucking Tooth Fairy. Like, and I didn't want to hear it. Like, I'm not even trying to see anybody else in that role. Like, go fuck yourself. And then here comes this guy, and he tells me, no, you go fuck yourself. Watch what I'm going to do. And I'm blown away. It's so damn him. good. I love him so much. Me he too. Is, yes. He is so, so brilliant. He's so brilliant. And what's her name that plays the part of Reba? Um, ah, True Blood Girl. What's what's her name? Yeah. Um... I forget her name right now. Uh, but she she is much better than both Emily Watson and Joan Allen. Really? You know, you know wow. which scene really got me with her? Uh, and, and I'll talk more about it when we get to that. But you know the scene with the tiger, the sedated tiger? Uh-huh. Out of all yes. of us, hers was the best. Like Because it's believable. Yeah, well, yeah. That's <laughs> Retina, like you... Retina Wesley. I, I I don't know if I'm saying her first name right. She's the one who plays. Yeah, she's, um, she's really good because like in true blood i feel like she was just supposed to be like this loud black woman she's a caricature yeah Yeah. uh but she really gets to show her acting ability in this and i was away by her i mean it was a revelation because she can act she can really act when it's not you know a stereotype a racial one a bad one um so rutina rutina i don't know how you say it i'm sorry uh yeah just so well cast the really. back and forth with her and Richard uh, Armitage uh, is just it's so fucking awesome you see the struggle that he's going through wanting to be normal but he can't uh, because he actually has feelings for her mm-hmm. and then the abject fear that she has to deal with just oh I don't want to talk it to death because y'all have to see this and that was my favorite part of the show and, yeah. and I think those two did this part of the story that Manhunter and Red Dragon deal with. They did it better in the show. She shows so much more vulnerability and not just because of her blindness, because of her openness to this man who's a killer. Yeah. And you could feel, you can feel love. Like he doesn't understand it. You know, right, he doesn't right. understand what he's feeling. It's amazing. It, and again, we're, I feel like we're overselling it, Marco. We yeah, I, I, I feel that way too. <laughs> I think but... you and I just love that show so much more than everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so we're good. talking about the guy who likes Rush Hour 1 and 2. I don't know how much stock I put I mean, into JB's. That's, that's not even the best Armitage role. The best oh my Armitage, God. Armitage's best role is as Trevor Belmont. In you Captain shut the Rainbow. hell up. Oh, he's you so sh- good in that. You got you to watch no, yeah. it. No, he, actually, I, he's awesome. But like, it's just his voice acting. But he is pretty damn good. Oh, he's, his voice is amazing. Yeah, me. his voice is amazing. I thought you were going to reference uh, 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 Hercules again. I was like, don't do that. <laughs> no, no, don't well, do Armitage's role in Hercules was pretty I don't amazing. know. He's <laughs> there, there are too many great BBC shows that he's been in. Uh, oh, I don't. Andy, Andy, you know you were going to go with Heinz Kruger for Armitage in that. That's your favorite. Uh, uh, North, North and South. Yeah, North, North, North and South. South is good. Yeah. North and South is good. Probably. I, I don't know either either MI5 or Robin oh, Hood though I think are oh, probably my favorites. Yeah, I really liked Robin Hood. That's a it's a very silly show, but I liked it, and he's good in it. Uh, all right. Um, okay. Should we talk about how much money this this turkey made? Um, 
<laughs> okay, so this movie came out on October 4th of 2002. Here's a fun trivia question, though, before we do the actual box office. A week later, on October 11th, 2002, another Oscar-winning, or at least Oscar-nominated movie came out that starred two people from this movie. Do you, can you name this movie? Oscar mm. nominated two people. It would have to be They're both in Hoffman. Yeah. And who would be the second one? Was it Emily Watson? Yes. Uh, I know this movie, but it's not, my brain isn't working. It hasn't been working well for the past week. It's with Adam Sandler and the film is Punch Drunk. Oh, Punch Drunk Love. Oh, uh, it's a great film. Yeah. yeah. Great, so, great, great, great film. The very so it's it was crazy because I remember seeing this movie, and then the next week seeing the two of them get it. I'm like, wait, what? This is awesome. Gonna, I got a double dose of these. I was going to guess the transporter, but ah. <laughs> not not quite. Philip okay, Seymour, greatest role in the transporter. Oh, shut up! <laughs> As Jason Statham's stunt double. Well done. By the way, Philip Seymour Hoffman is one of the most believable and menacing villains in the MI franchise. He's pretty good in, the, in that Mission Impossible. We are yeah, going to do the Mission Impossible franchise. We, we on have to. We will. Like, yeah. it just, it has to be done. But, uh, okay. This made $92.9 million. So, about 93. Um, which inflation adjusted is 146.5. That's, uh, that's a lot of money, but not not a huge amount. What's the budget? Uh, uh, the budget was like seventy-eight. So, okay. I mean, it made its budget back, and and uh, it made an additional um, one thirteen point five internationally. So, uh, did well enough overseas. It made made all its money back. It did just fine. They're going to continue to make Hannibal Lecter movies, and that's why. Five years later, they made Hannibal Rising for oh, some reason. Because oh, <laughs> I guess you have to keep making Hannibal Lecter movies. Um, so we're not done yet. Uh, but but yeah, this, this did okay. Um, what are our studio notes here? I mean, the glaring obvious studio note is get Edward Norton to fucking act. Or do you replace him with someone? Or you, or you replace yeah. him? I, I, I'd be fine replacing him. So you're Who 2002. Who's, who's hot in 2002? Adam Sandler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I would go with Matt Damon. Could you Yeah. I would go with Matt Damon. Will Smith. Hmm? Oh, all right. What's wrong with Will Smith? That's who uh, I there's would nothing wrong with Will Smith. Yeah. I didn't think about that. Yeah, I mean, Sean Sean Penn's too old. Denzel might be good, but I think I think Will Smith has more of the vulnerability. Yes, Denzel would overpower every scene. Um, Javier Bardem. Hmm. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, dude, yes. Um, let's see. Who else would I go with? Ewan McGregor. <laughs> Ewan McGregor, you know Ewan McGregor, maybe. I, I mean, he was super busy at this time. Yeah, but he, had all kinds of he, he was doing a lot. He was involved in a little franchise. 
Uh, he has stuff going on. Um, um, I'm looking. Elijah I'm looking Wood. at the other top movies of 2002, and the hot chick with Rob Schneider came in. And I was thinking about <laughs> how terrible this movie would be with Rob Schneider. Uh, anyway, um, every movie would be with Rob Schneider. <laughs> yeah, Matt Damon's an interesting idea. Born Identity comes out about the same time too, so he's probably also there. Oh, the Time Machine with Guy Pierce came out. Guy Pierce that. would be great. Guy Pierce could be interesting in this. Uh, Alec and fucking Baldwin. Alec Baldwin. No, you can't have yeah, Alec oh, Baldwin. No. No. I mean, early two thousands Alec Baldwin going face to face with uh, Anthony Hopkins. I think I'd like that, man. I'd love this with Will Smith. I think I would too. I'd love I'd... to flip, uh, you know, flip it and try, you know, try something different. Right? If you're gonna. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I didn't think about that at all. But seeing Will Smith as, as Will Graham, yeah, that would work, man. He was he was such a nuanced. I mean, he was doing Ollie. Didn't he do Ollie two thousand three? Uh, yes, yeah. I think that's I, mean, I think that's right. When he was hitting his character acting stages, and he was so good. So I I just mm-hmm. wonder. Um, I mean, if Josh Hartnett is busy after Black Hawk Down. Uh, and Pearl Harbor. I don't know about Josh yeah. Hartnett. <laughs> no, I don't yeah, want Josh Hartnett. Although no. I, I really loved. Um, what was the show we were all bummed got canceled? Um, Penny Dreadful. Yes, I, I did not think he was a good actor till that. I was thinking was silly. Good, I was thinking Cillian Murphy. I think he was yes. really, yeah. really good. And That's he was getting hot around that time, I think. Like, he was just beginning. <laughs> Stunning really, to, yeah. Yeah. He's been yeah. hot ever since. <laughs> I meant in terms of his career. He, yeah. Oh, did I just out oh, myself? <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I don't know. There's an intensity that he has that yes. I think would have been really. Ironically, uh, it's in his eyes. Really great. Um, yeah. 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 Along um, those those same lines, uh, Christian Bale. Um, I think could have been an interesting choice. Yeah. yeah. Um, Tom Hanks. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin Spacey. Uh, oh, Kevin Spacey could have uh, been. Uh, oh. No, he's the he's he's the Hannibal Lecter. What are you talking right. about? No, no. Kevin Spacey is Jack Crawford. Um. Oh yeah, that would work. Ooh. In retrospect, that is yeah. a. Uh, Spicy take. <laughs> Kevin Spacey and Toby Maguire as Will Graham. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Damn it, dude. Oh and gosh. Ian McKellen as Hannibal. You're gross. <laughs> You're so fucking gross. <laughs> okay. Any other any other studio notes, especially uh recastings? <laughs> You got Ben Stiller and Owen Wilson just sitting there. What are they doing? <laughs> <laughs> Zoolander. Stiller, Zoolander ben comes out the next year, right? Ben, ben Stiller could have been dollar hide. He wouldn't even have to wear makeup. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> we don't have Brooke here to talk about how much she hates Ben Stiller. I know. So, Shout out, Brooke. That's too bad. Okay. Any any other studio notes? I mean, the glaring one is Ed Norton, right? Yeah. Yep, yep. yep. Are there are there any other things we should change here? No, I don't think so. This, I mean, this. Okay, I have one, and it and it it plays into one of the other questions. There's no great song in here, and I'm still kind of. 
you have Danny Elfman doing a score, and I don't know, like, this is the era of movies having weird, inexplicable soundtracks, like the Spider-Man soundtrack, and uh, I don't know, like, where is the Red Dragon soundtrack? I feel yeah, like that was actually missing. Had, like, I actually some Metallica or Megadeth theme about a red dragon, right? Like, isn't that what they would have done back then? Is I mean, everything was like Bach and Mendelssohn, right? Because all the songs were classical. It would have—I don't know—it would have been a mix of hip hop and new metal and like the Spawn soundtrack. You needed a oh no, dude. Oh <laughs> no, more like the the it would it would have been more like the Daredevil soundtrack or the Spider-Man soundtrack is what it would have been, and and that would have meant it would be terrible. So this is me. I'm not really saying that this should have a soundtrack. I'm pointing out how terrible soundtracks were at the time. <laughs> don't give this a soundtrack. I'm just joking. What was that? Well, I was about to say this movie's missing a James Horner soundtrack. (laughs) Or a a Hans Zimmer. Uh, No, I mean, Elfman does fine here, but he doesn't really do anything interesting. This is this is one of Elfman's like super forgettable scores. It's like, oh, that was Danny Elfman. Yeah, he doesn't have anything to work with, really. Yeah, he talks a lot about how he like hates getting last minute scores that he doesn't really have a chance to develop with the with the director like early early on in the filmmaking process and so he just they have a temp score and he just goes in and writes around it and you can tell when he does that and then you can tell when he's working on a Tim Burton movie yeah yeah well that that's the thing like they chose the wrong guy to write the score for this movie he's not compatible with this I don't know he could have been I don't, I, mean, I don't think he's he compatible with this. He's more quirk than straightforward. Well, he did Batman, which is still the greatest soundtrack ever. The score of all time. It's okay. a really good score. Dude, yeah. our greatest ever. I'm going to kick oh. your ass. Find me a better the, one. In the name of John Williams, that. I condemn oh, you. <laughs> John Williams, who's written the same score for 45 I'm going to kick your ass, JB. Oh, God. So wow, you guys. So boring. <laughs> Wow, you have to keep you two separated. Wow. You got to keep them separated. (laughs) Yep. Uh, Soundtrack by The Offspring for... uh, (laughs) That's That's who would have been on the the Red Dragon soundtrack. Yeah. Uh, Any other studio notes? That would have actually been a terrific song when he came to the glass. (laughs) You got to keep them separated. I, I know I always say this, but more people of color, please. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. Yeah. And women. This yeah. has like a slight increase in the number of women in it, but like you know what I would like yeah. when the inevitable reboot comes of like you know the Hannibal Lecter verse in general. I would like to see a Willagram. I would like to see Will Graham as a woman and see how she stands up, how they write her. Um, I think that would be a really interesting dynamic between her and because uh, it would be different from Clarice because. You know, Clarice was like a neophyte, basically. She's right. just, you know, just getting, finally, you know, getting into it. But she wasn't even a graduate yet, you know, mm-hmm. uh, when we first meet her. But Will, when we meet him every time, he's experienced. He right. put away this notorious serial killer. So they're on very different 
ground, you know, the two of them. And so it it wouldn't be the same as Clarice. I think it would be interesting to see that dynamic, uh, an experienced, really, um, you know, been there, done that type of woman who caught this guy and how differently because, you know, he treats Will Graham in every single movie very differently than he treated Clarice in Silence of the Lambs. I got into how gross and sexual he was with her. Mm-hmm. He never goes there with the men. Do you understand? Totally. So it would be very different. And I would I would like to see her be strong willed to go up against him, you know, Um so that's something that I think, because you know they're going to make more of this at some point. Absolutely, everything old is new again at some. It'll point. get rebooted. Yeah. Can I, oh, is, yeah. can I, can I there... throw out? Can I throw out Kate Blanchett for Hannibal Lecter? <laughs> what? I mean, Why you not? No, because me. I'd want her to eat me. Right. <laughs> wow. Then, I'm just um, thinking. That, I'm just thinking how. I mean, why not? Why just not recast one character? But. Oh, okay. I'm, yeah. I mean, she's too good Thor, looking to play the part. Thor Ragnarok, come on, best bad character in. She's she was, oh my god, she was just oh my. Can god. you can you that, not see that as? I mean, put her Lord of the Rings character, but as an evil. Galadriel. Like, yeah. No, but I, I I think she's she's just way too good looking for a part like that. So what? A serial killer can't be hot. Yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying it'll uh, it'll be a distraction because Anthony Hopkins yeah, is going to look good. It won't be a distraction for everyone, Marco. Yeah, I okay. thought that was what Killing Eve was, you know, mm-hmm. with uh, Jodie Comer. So you can't tell uh, me that a bunch Villanelle. of forty-five uh, Jodie Comer is not even man. close to being in Kate Blanchett's league. Come on, I'm, dude. J- I'm, I'm saying the two women. Uh, that's no, and I, 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 and I'm not saying Hannibal Lecter can't be a woman. That's fine. You're I got saying, no problem with that. You're saying it's a distraction to you because I can't tell you how many 45 to 74 <laughs> year old women think Anthony Hopkins is hot as shit. So really, I, oh yeah, I, I want to meet on. this women because I, I want to have, a, I want to have a conversation with them. Oh come on. So, I mean, so you think all all women serial killers have to look like Eileen Warnos or something? Like, no, no, not at all. No. Uh, y'all are going way too far with it. In the movie, Melissa. Not in the way too far with it. Just when I look at him, that's what he wants. <laughs> I don't know. I think if if they're she's not too, as horny as Marco, much, maybe he <laughs> is too much of an established actor who is fucking gorgeous. And, and she's otherworldly, man. Might as well put Nicole Kidman in there. There, but there are plenty of other can act. <laughs> Okay, but but make Emily Watson. Sharon is the same way, and she played down her looks for Monster, right? Oh, I she mean, was so good in that. Good call, Melissa. Yeah. So I don't understand your what you're saying here, Marco. She's not going to look like she's glammed up for the Oscars as 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 this character. She would they would you know glam her down. They probably put some prosthetics on her. I, All right, or I whatever. Why? Okay, why, well, go for why it. Why not just I'm. I'm just saying. I'm, yeah, I I, that would make her more dangerous, right? Because you dumb yeah. men, if if a woman's beautiful, you can get distracted very easily. It's like putting something totally. shiny in front of you. Yeah. So that would make her more dangerous and in some ways more credible as a killer, right? right. Because yep. she could seduce the men. Yep. Cool. Because y'all are stupid. 
Yep. <laughs> it, is all about, it, it is all the pain, eh? Hey, we, we have to, we, we ladies have to take advantage of everything we, every advantage we have, we have to capitalize on it, okay? So if y'all are stupid enough to follow the boobs and, and the looks, then, you know, she would, a killer would take advantage of that. So I think you could have someone like her. Damn and right. She'd probably kill it. Yeah. But, um, but, you know, you could go the other way and have somebody unconventional looking who I think is still very beautiful, like Tilda Swinton. Oh, and I yeah. think she would be amazing. Oh, fuck That's yes. Really yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. 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 So I have, a, I, have a, I have a question, though, going back to the idea of Will being a woman. Um, specific question about Hannibal season three. Does Alana Bloom continue to show up in the in the story very much? Yeah. I, uh, oh yeah. That's and I, what. And I know Marco enjoys those scenes. Yes. Marco. Mm -hmm. Yes, I do. Is it? And, and once again, how the fuck did they get away with that on network? <laughs> on, on a network, I know. Like I have no idea. It's oh, basically, yeah. it's basically softcore lesbian porn. Yeah. Wait, what? Oh, oh no! I, I ruined it. You, no, you, you did not hear it. that. Andy, stop yeah. fast forwarding season three. Stop it. <laughs> no, I want, I want, I want Alana Bloom and oh, I want Alana Bloom interacting. They do, Mark. They, they do. Yeah. They, they no, really that's do. what I'm. That's what I'm asking because she, she isn't green either. She is just as experienced, if not more experienced than Will. She, she and, has, she has an arc that goes into darkness towards oh, the yeah. awesome yeah. i mean then maybe that's part of it and i yeah because i i mean i i get why y'all were steering me off when i was like talking about what happens in the hannibal book and how crazy <laughs> it is and i'm like oh my gosh they're actually doing this this yeah. is bug nuts <laughs> yep but yeah anyway uh, well, good. I'm I'm interested in that, and I agree because I think that that kind of layered um, uh, relationship is super interesting. Any any time when you can play up the, you know, the the sort of power differentials or or anything, um, I I think that is always interesting. And and throwing gender in there, especially if. Uh, they've had a relationship a romantic relationship a sexual relationship even um that makes it even more interesting so um yeah uh totally Good job agree. circumventing the lesbian porn part <laughs> i like how you talked all the way around it and side note <laughs> and if, if i wanted lesbian porn there's lesbian porn on the internet i don't no, know like... don't watch lesbian porn on the internet it's made for men it's very okay. believable. Yeah. No, it's not. It's realistic. It's, okay, I've had sex no, no, no. with women, I think, and I I'm Mark's telling you, about, yeah, <laughs> Wait, that is not how two women have sex. The <laughs> there, in, in actual lesbian sex, there's one thousand percent less spitting on butts. I think you're wrong. You right <laughs> I think you don't know. <laughs> whatever passes, whatever passes for you having sex with women, Marco, <laughs> is, is oh. not the same. Same as two women having All sex. I know is that if you show up with a pizza box and you ring the doorbell and there's two women, things are going to happen. I, I wish we had our cameras on so you can see. <laughs> 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 oh, 
I am. <laughs> we are canceled. No one should listen to this show ever again. I am so sorry. No way. I'm not going to let Marco cancel me. Fuck that. No. <laughs> I'm telling you. Even, even Johnny Depp is looking at us like, y'all didn't fuck that. porn on the internet is made for the male kiddies. It right. with you. It's all bullshit. It is. Even regular heterosex and on porn and the world of porn is stupid. Yeah, all of all of porn is for all the male gaze, obviously. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, well, there's a little <laughs> yeah. lesbian porn that's good and accurate. Uh, the only difference is they don't cry afterwards, which happens a lot. So you know. Oh damn! It's about <laughs> public, this public service announcement is going way out. <laughs> what I'm saying is, I don't, I don't need. <laughs> no, my favorite podcast is that you cry after sex. Go Cowboys! Oh my gosh. <laughs> Once again, I'm canceling myself. Okay, uh, what I'm saying is I don't need uh, Hannibal's softcore lesbian pornography to titillate me. Uh, I will look at it for its artistic merits and I think be okay. But you titillated, know, you will be. The animals. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yes. Okay. Uh, Do we have. Uh, are there any good one line? I wasn't going to join in. Today. I know. <laughs> Thank you so much for saving us from ourselves. That was, that was great. Oh my gosh. Oh, that was funny. We're terrible. All right. Uh, best one liners quotes. Are there any? There's a I couple. I, I have nothing. Sorry. Um, I like the, the tell me, did you enjoy your first murder? Of course you did. And why shouldn't it feel good? It does to God. I mean, he drops that church roof on the heads of 34 of his worshipers. He doesn't begrudge you one journalist. Um, and then to Mark's point, there's that line about fear where he says, you stink of fear, but you're not yeah. a coward. Yep. Um, I love that. You caught me because we're alike. That one. What is it? Fear is the price of our instrument, but I can help you bear it. Um, I like that one. Yeah. I like, uh, you're privy to a great becoming, but you recognize nothing. To me, you're a slug in the sun. You are an ant in the afterbirth. That's just some fucking too. freaky shit to say, man. To somebody you're about to knife. Ugh. <laughs> yeah. All the good Indeed. lines are, I don't all the good lines are in the first 20 minutes, except for the, <laughs> except for the random, uh, Ralph Fine speech where, yeah, that, that's the, that's the only other, I think, memorable one. Right, Mark? Yeah. 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 I like the, I do like the, you had disadvantages. <laughs> You're insane. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Not a very quotable movie. Yeah. Um, Best side character. Sharky. Uh, oh. Sharky. <laughs> sharky. Uh, <laughs> uh, we had a sharky moment in No Time to Die. But anyway. Um, sharky. Oh, uh, Barney Matthews. Played by the same guy in like three Oh, yeah. It's a Frankie yeah. face on back again. Yeah. 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 Sure. Sharky, too. <laughs> he, he is sharky. Um,. How about oh. Molly? Yeah. Yeah. Molly Graham. Molly yep. Graham. Yeah, I like her. That's. Yeah. Oh, Mary Louise Parker. He's still my heart. Well, then <laughs> they finally gave her something to do other than just, you know, do what Will says. Uh, I'm glad that she got to 
shoot Francis at the end. Does does he have a bulletproof vest on at the end, Ed Norton? Because I feel like he takes like seven in no. the chest. No, and he doesn't have. A and he's vest. on the boat at the end, and that's I hate that about movies, right? He shot him like seven times. It I'm missed going, every artery. I, I guess so. <laughs> yeah, they were all through and through, and he got out okay. Luckily, somehow it was a twenty-two. I don't know. Yeah, anyway. something like that. I don't yeah. know. Uh, and um, then I'll uh, I'll mention him again. Uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Freddie Lowndes was oh, yeah, yeah. pretty You're delightful. Right. You're right. I like. Yeah, um, agreed. Um. Molly's my favorite. She, he's my he's my number two. I think Emily might be my number two, although Philip's close. I think I think both of the female leads. You know what? You're right. I was just fucking around with Barney. Although I do like Barney, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Emily Watson was so fucking great in this. She is really great. Yeah. This supporting cast is. I think this supporting cast is maybe the best supporting cast of any of the um, any of the Hannibal franchise. And you will definitely you will definitely agree after you watch Hannibal Rising. You'll keep that. There's no one in that. I I am not looking forward to that. (laughs) It's the only movie. It's the only movie in this franchise I've never seen. I I don't know how I missed it. I, I honestly don't. Um, You've done yourself a favor. It's invisible, <laughs> is what it is. Because so. you have it's good okay. taste. You know what? Yeah. To, to my credit, when I when I suggested the Hannibal verse, I did say I didn't want to watch Hannibal Rising. I think we all agreed with you. Like Mark's right. <laughs> yeah, but I think we we okay. And let me say this: it's not that it is a terrible bad movie. Kinda it is. Though. It's an okay. World War II era revenge thriller. It has, but it just has nothing to do with Hannibal. Disconnected, so disconnected. It's, it's just, yeah. yeah. It's got for some reason, uh, the the kid is Hannibal Lecter, and that kid is not Hannibal Lecter, really. Oh, we're gonna Uh, get, we're gonna get another Dino De Laurentiis lecture, aren't we? Yeah, no, seriously. (laughs) I mean, but this is, but this is the Halloween season of the witch version of uh, Hannibal Lecter. It's like, well, let's just take this weird side turn. It's like, okay, this doesn't make any sense, but I guess you gotta make a cash grab, so. Okay. Um, We already said there is no best song in this. Um, So, sorry. Uh, Sorry, category. Is this a good movie? Yeah. I, I say it is. Yeah, it's mediocre. I, 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 you know, it's middling. There's too many problems for it to be good, but I think it had the potential to be good if the main problems that we've already discussed uh, had been fixed. Yep, that's it right there. That's that's well said. Now, now I that's can't my get opinion. Will Smith out of my head as Will Graham. <laughs> oh, he'd be so good. God, that would be that would have been perfect. Is is the main character a good person? Not when played by Ed Norton. <laughs> <laughs> I think Will Graham, the character, is a good person. Yeah. Yeah. Especially in this version, yes. And should you show this to children? No. 
No. Not unless you hate him. <laughs> Continues See, also, to be rising, comma Hannibal. <laughs> right. Yeah. Okay, so we're gonna put off watching Hannibal Rising because just why do we need to? In fact, I would be willing to entertain the idea that we don't really cover Hannibal Rising. We watch it and we take ten minutes to talk about it and just because there just really isn't that much to discuss, and then put it in with Hannibal season one. If, the only uh, problem if, is there's so much to talk about in Hannibal season one. Right. I so what if we did, what if we did Hannibal season one episodes one through six or one through, how does it break down there? Are there 12 episodes or 13? I think there's 13, but I'm not sure. I want to say there was like a place where it kind of wasn't there a middle where there there was kind of the end of one arc and the beginning of another. Um, could we could we do that? Could we split up? Because um, season two and season three definitely have those. I don't know if season one does. Um, but I don't know. We could maybe put Hannibal Rising in with. No, there's no half a season of Hannibal. There's no ending to the arc in season one because it all deals with the initial killings in the beginning. Right. It goes mm. on through the entire season. Mm -hmm. So frustrating. It's so good though. It is. Okay. I don't know. We'll figure out how the heck we're gonna cover Hannibal Rising. What are it we doesn't... doing next week? Uh, uh, James Bond. Week. We gotta talk oh, about James Bond. Oh my gosh. Well, can we can we add that at the top of that? You know, that's not a bad idea. We just power through Hannibal Rising, and then we talk about James Bond. Uh, no, although, we just listen to Marco on for two hours. I mean, everybody could watch Dear Evan Hansen and then Hannibal oh, Rising. No, no. About which is the worst. No. No, I don't, don't do watch that. Dear Evan Hansen. I, I even love the musical, and that movie is bad. Yeah, I don't want to do that. Where did Andy go? No, oh just gosh. everybody stop watching that. I'm just looking if there's any other terrible movies we could lump it in with. Mm. The Last Duel, Melissa? Oh, God. I don't want to talk about that movie anymore, like, though. I'm so like, sick of it. Earlier, I think it was Marco who, who said Matt Damon as Will Scram. And I, after this movie, I'm so fucking sick of him. I just, uh, on the other hand, Bad Fleck did pretty good in this. I actually liked him in that movie. Oh my gosh, he was fun, right? He was really oh. good. Affleck? Yeah, he was good. He was good in this movie, but this movie was bad. Yeah. It was, it made me viscerally fucking angry that movie it really did so thank wow. you are we yeah. are we are we doing dune i know mark wants to talk yes. about dune yeah so that's next week right yeah that comes out next week maybe i don't know does everybody want to talk about dune maybe that would be okay so next week we're going to talk about no time to die yeah. definitely 100 percent we are going to be done talking about James Bond. Um, then we'll figure out how to eat our vegetables. <laughs> well, I'm just trying to think, okay, you've got the 24th for Bond. 31st is Halloween, right? Yeah. If, like, how do, can you bundle Hannibal Rising in with, like, 
we just talk about scary movies for an hour. We're like, oh, we talked about a really frightening movie that we had to watch. Now let's talk about other. That's not a bad idea. If we want to give other like, um, like spooky suggestions, that might be good. Because there have been other movies that have come out in the last uh... Halloween Kills. Yeah. yeah, like I'd like to see that. Okay, so it was really interesting take on that. So Mel suggested a show last last week, and I saw the first episode. Oh, folklore! Yeah, it is fucking legit, y'all. Hmm. And, and I mean, it. You got to expand your horizons, man. Check out movies from other places in the world, and the first movie, uh, the first uh, episode of the series takes place in indonesia i believe mm-hmm. and it's it's really i was surprised by how well it was made and how much i liked it like it really got me and i i second her uh suggestion on that show y'all need to watch cool well i'm i'm actually i i think that might be a good idea um although i mean the, being realistic about how the sausage gets made if we record i don't think we should we should record on halloween because trick-or-treaters are going to be coming by or whatever uh we're probably then sorry about that not talk about uh or we probably won't be able to record until like november 1st but um since we're extending spooky season um which i am in favor of yeah definitely (laughs) uh we're we're gonna be doing going to be what doing Hannibal Lecter all through November. So. so if we have Hannibal Rising, what if we, this is just a thought, what if everybody sent through their their scariest movie of all time? Like the movie that scared them the most. Mm-hmm. And we either just pick one or, you know, if you have time or we watch a couple and then we just talk about it. I don't know. Maybe, maybe some will overlap with what we've seen. But like, I'm just itching to watch A Tale of Two Sisters again. Um, and I if, I can, if I can drag you all into watching it, that movie is absolutely terrifying. Um, so I don't know. I've just wondered if, you know, Andy, if you wanted to throw some scary movies down and um, we watch what we can or something like that. We talk about them. Uh, I yeah, know that's scariest, the one that scared you the most, because I don't scare easily anymore. But when I was a kid, I did. And and so I would say Poltergeist because it creeped oh, me. Yeah. I didn't. I wouldn't go anywhere near my Cabbage Patch doll for like weeks <laughs> after seeing that movie. God, and I love but that in, movie. in retrospect, it's not that scary anymore. You know, to me, it's you know. So I don't. I don't know about that, but I mean, if we just uh, scary movies in general, I think that would be great. That'd be um, fun. You're just a really good one. Um, yeah. Also, don't forget, we got to do Barfy somewhere in yeah. the middle of all this. Right. Barfie. We're definitely doing Barfy. Yeah. Yeah, for Melissa's birthday movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. So. It's, and it's on Netflix, so we can actually watch it together if, if we can find time. That'd be yeah, yeah, we'll do that the second week of November. So uh, we actually won't start Hannibal season one until like the third week of November. But that's okay. The week I'm gone. The week you're gone. Oh, no. <laughs> well, maybe we should maybe we should pick up season one Halloween week then, just so we're not losing any time. Yeah, you know what I did? I watched um, I watched Hannibal or Hannibal Rising, uh, in the middle of season three at the time where they try to go back to Hannibal's like 
homeland or whatever. Right. Um, so maybe we say, maybe if we squeeze it in in between the other Hannibal goodness and we do it with like season two arc one, then or season three arc one. And we save it for then, and then yeah, and then we do Hannibal season one, uh, in two weeks, and that's then we do Barfy. That's definitely a Halloween type. Okay. Holy smokes! So so Bond Hannibal season one, and then Barfy. That's the next three weeks. All right, I like it. I, I'm down with that. I like it. Okay, that works for me. And Marco is still like Barfy. What the hell? <laughs> it, sounds, it sounds like a terrible movie, right? Because the names have been translated in English, but it's really, it's really good. I, I'm really excited about it. I can't yeah. wait to watch it. That just, it's, it's so different from, from Hannibal Lecter. I'm really looking forward to. Yeah. It. It, well, Marco, just to to get you excited, Priyanka Chopra. Over. Okay, she's in it. Oh, okay. I'm definitely watching. Okay, there you go. Wait till <laughs> you see you her, though. Oh, hell yeah. Of course, she's completely so... unrecognizable, though. So I don't know how much you're gonna like her, but you know, uh, we'll 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 see. But it's it's it's. I think it's a great movie. I love it. It's one of my favorites of all time. So yeah. Cool. Awesome. Okay. Cool. Well, that's what we're doing. Everyone have a a wonderful and and safe week. And uh, go see, go see No Time to Die, and we'll because uh, we're talking about it next week, and there will be spoilers because there are big spoilers in that movie, and we're gonna talk about all of them. So if you care about those before what, listening to the podcast, go watch the movie this week. Uh, love y'all. Have a have a great week. Bye, everybody. Thank you, that will be all. God damn it, that's not all. Because if one of those things gets down here, then that will be all. Then all this, this bullshit that you think is so important, you can just kiss all that goodbye. This show is part of the Geek Nerd Network. Geek Nerd Network. Find more shows like it at geeknerdnetwork.com. This is Janet.